everybody. Welcome to Ron and Matt Must Listen. This is episode three. I am here with my co-host, Matt. How's it going, Matt? It's going pretty good. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, we have a guest this week. Our guest is Craig. He plays in the band's Lesnar. He plays in the band Districts, and he plays in the band Kind. How you doing, Craig? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourselves? Doing very well. Doing very well. Same here. Uh, we're going to be discussing Craig's pick, which is Archers of Loaf, Icky Metal. For anybody who doesn't know, Archers of Loaf is from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. They were basically around initially from 91 to 98. They reunited in 2011. They also released a new track last year called Raleigh Days, I believe. Uh, this record's from 1993. So I guess the first question would be, how did you come across Archers of Loaf, Craig? Okay, so this is complicated, but <laughs> they were a band that circled around people I knew. Um, and I had seen them. I was like always a big Pavement fan and always a big um, uh, like Super Chunk fan. So oh, nice. not big on Super, not as big on the Super Chunk front, more on the Pavement, but like I when I got into college, they kind of both scratched and knew that I was like looking for. So I always heard that Arches of Loaf kind of, you know, did that a little bit. And then it's probably like 2010, 2011. I was in, I was in college, uh, go figure, uh, listening to college rock or slacker rock. Cause I was both. Um, but I found that record and I was like super into emo like um like really like post hardcore bands mineral and anything like in that in that milieu like anything about all ranges so it was interesting to like hear a sound that was like pretty familiar but also like rooted in other things that you can hear like they have some slinty vibes at times definitely have some pole like that north carolina thing but then there's other songs like might where it like bops like pretty fucking hard and it's um I don't know, like it kind of is like a little promise ringy at times, like dare I say that, um, but <laughs> like that's what that's what my reference was for, you know, it kind of hit that note for me, but like in a different way. So that's like what originally drew me to it, you know, hearing like Web in Front, my, you and me, and I'm going to like stick to like the basic release, not like the deluxe reissue with like a whole other EP on it, because that whole other EP is great, but like I'm going <laughs> to stick to just like the original tracks. Like sure. just hearing that as a cohesive album, it's like very, it has a lot of dynamics, which I like in music in general. So it kind of had like you and me reminds me of like a Pixie song, almost like a really fucked up Pixie song. Like it has like, it like reminded me of like some of the, I hate myself kind of dynamics that I like really liked. Super quiet, super loud, kind of like really simple bass lines. But again, like it has like a really um, ironic nature to it at times where the album is like about a relationship or like, you know, some sort of struggle with others, you know, I, I assume it's an intimate relationship, like a partner or something like that. So, um, but it has like a very ironic detached nature to it um, or a spiteful nature to it at times. So it's interesting to see like that dynamic at play kind of like in the, in the songs too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my first, because I love this record as well. 
this is mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorite records ever too to be Same. perfectly honest um but how i came across it was much earlier <laughs> um yeah. it was in like 2003 2004 american nightmare did the single for love american and they covered you and me and oh, that is how i found about archers of loaf so i knew nothing about them prior to that um at the time i was mostly into like hardcore and particularly like power violence and, mm-hmm. and such um yes. but i also was into like Les Savvy Fave and Love the Shins and Modest yep. Mouse. And so when I first heard Arches of Low, yep. yeah, that was what kind of my reference point was was the, you know, um, like Modest Mouse, Pavement, mm-hmm. even Pixies vibes. Uh, mm-hmm. And even like uh, on a song like I believe it's Hate Paste, it kind of has like a really aggressive, like almost indie folk vibe. And then there's points mm-hmm. in that song that kind of remind me of Neutral Milk Hotel, which is really yeah, the- kind of interesting mm-hmm. to me like that kind of droney like that like yeah that riff yeah but then yeah. like it kind of then it kind of kicks in yeah and like i yeah. know exactly what you mean that's like kind of like that's actually that i'm gonna piggyback on that if that's okay mm-hmm. one thing Absolutely. i forgot to i kind of like referenced it but it's like it's interesting because they're a band that's like very much associated with um the chapel hill sound and like everything that kind of went on there because they yes. you know v i think vv is a really good artistic example of like them doing something that's a little um not to say this isn't their sound you know it is but I think it's them going a little bit more outside the realms of what people might expect after a record like this. So um, all that stuff's present on here. Like, I will let that be noted. Like the, maybe just the song, the compositions are shorter. It just because mm-hmm. of probably like recording budget and times, you know, but it has like a weird um, milieu of everything that's going on in the nineties, like everywhere. Like you have, post-hardcore-y kind of embracey kind of fugazi-esque notes you have pixies type stuff like east coast stuff but then you also have like like a replacementy kind of essence to it you know definitely or, and like husker do style guitar work almost very aggressive but like like punk but then the vocals are delivered a little bit very dynamically in a way that I might associate with something like that's like a little bit more pavement like um, where or pixies like um, but at times it can be pretty raucous too um, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, they do have like those loosey-goosey kind of slacker vibes that you might get from stuff like built to spill and you know modest mouse or yeah, even even like Elliot Smith like uh, with like heatmeister type stuff but um, like I, I, it's an interesting representation of like kind of how I think like by everything branded as like kind of just like art rock or you know college rock, it frees up like your realm of like uh, of, like creativity, so you can kind of borrow from things and still create like this unified concept of an album dealing with like a singular kind of feeling or many feelings associated with something. And I think it does a really good job of that. 
musically and lyrically. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I just want to say real quick that I hadn't listened to this album in a while. And I think like when I first heard this was back in the days of like audio galaxy i don't know if either of you guys ever used audio galaxy yeah that was my point go ahead but yeah Um, it 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 like uh it was a web-based so opposed to napster or what limewire these you know programs you would download it was actually in browser which looking back is kind of unreal but one thing that <laughs> I feel like they actually had fairly down on there was like their suggestions as far as like, oh, you like this? Check out this thing. And I definitely oh, yeah. know that like I heard of these guys because of pavement. Like I was downloading pavement, you know, come come get yep. me a recording artist association or whatever. But I own all their stuff. But I was downloading like pavement stuff and it suggested this album. It was right up my alley you know um but it was interesting to like listen to it again you know coming up to this recording after you know it'd probably been a bit since i'd listened to it and just realized like um like i was listening what's the track uh it's towards the end i think it's backwash and there's like a minute into that where i'm like this is modest like early modest mouse like entire blueprint (laughs) and like these 50 seconds of this song so it's like yes it is pretty crazy like that span you know what i mean i made sure to make note of that song and i checked dates on that one because i think the first like official modest mouse release like lp format or any sort of official like like anything i think they'd be you'd be able to find is like 94 okay it is it's 94 um so i did the same thing particularly because of the song that's yeah. what i was thinking i was like i gotta look this yeah. up because i don't want to say that modest mouse heard this and then was like they oh did. that's our thing oh, yeah. but i'm like it kind of seems like 93 i'm like that must have been how this played out Yeah, but like it's but like this record, I think is like uh, why I kind of chose it is because like I enjoy everything that came that kind of like comes before and after it, but it like definitely is a marked album, I think, in what's going on. Like you see a shift in like ninety four, ninety five. Like they kind of got some grungy elements of stuff that you might associate with like proto grunge on mm-hmm. this record, and on like the EP which was released in ninety two. Um, with like audio blank and um, lowest part is free um, and distance is up static is down I forget that what song it is but I think it's called archers of lows versus the world or something like that that EP like it uh, it's really good and it definitely has a little bit more of like a like kind of fuzzed out more lo-fi kind of sound but I think icky metal is like shifts like the ability of what you can kind of push and again they're groovy and they're kind of weird and they're loud and they're raucous but then they're also kind of quiet kind of folky kind of garagey um and i think like it it has a big influence on like stuff that was going on in like seattle washington and that whole area like the pack northwest like i feel like it probably had a strong influence 
Yeah, I mean, I think it strongly influenced a lot of things. I think one of the things that stuck out to me and still does, and it's one of the reasons that this record is kind of consistent in, in being played in my house as well, is that Eric Bachman's vocals, he's, he's got such a great grasp of like being able to sound, you know, a hundred different emotions. Oh, yeah. And sometimes more than one in one song and sometimes oh. more than one at a time. You know, yeah. and I think that the, the, the amount of talent that that kind of takes to, to kind of put that mm -hmm. forward is, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that I, I think anybody has really done the same thing where he could be, you know, very upbeat and, you know, kind of sounding upbeat in a song like Might. And yeah. then have a song like You and Me where he just sounds broken. I mean, like, it's yeah. just those types of things. Um, I don't think there's a lot of bands that have a front man that can do those types of things plenty of bands have very entertaining people mm -hmm. but to have that like kind of control of the emotion in the voice i think is is almost i don't want to say unmatched but i don't know of anybody off the top of my head that i feel like presents that as well as he did yeah. particularly on this record yeah i mean and that's one thing i may, i wanted to make note specifically is although he may not have like what we what what many in the kind of like uh indie milieu would have maybe been chasing vocally it's not at all like it, he has a bit more of a gruffled kind of punk sound than i think a lot sure. of other people uh like even raucous bands like dino jr the vocals are kind of just like there mm -hmm. i think like again like the pixies might be like the only band that could that could do that but i don't know there's there's a layer to it where there's like bands that come to mind would be like pavement. But when I look at pavement, it's a little more, even more ironic and a little more postmodern in like what they're trying to do. So it's like, can you display a lot of emotion when you're trying to be detached um, versus detaching from emotion? And I feel like at times, like on a song like you and me, again, he sounds broken, but then on like, on my as you perfectly put it there's like these there's like a sense of like fuck you and like a very strong backbone to it yeah like um, he just feels more upbeat and like i don't want to say uplifted personally than on you and me where it just sounds like a man who's crumbling and then infuriated in a sense yeah. and it just kind yeah. of uh, that that was that was something that always struck me about the record yeah. And it's it's one of the things that kind of stuck with me over the years and one of the reasons that I revisit it because I am admittedly very big on the vocalist of a band. If I don't yes. like the vocalist, I tend to not like the mm -hmm. band. It's not and that doesn't mean they have to be able to <laughs> sing well. I don't fucking care if they can sing at all. It yes. just depends on how it strikes me. And it's a lot of times more about the emotion they're presenting or more about the pitch than it is about how good they are at actually yeah. carrying a tune exactly yeah oh yeah and i mean like that's kind of like my approach to like what i look for in vocalists and this kind of hit for me like in a referential way uh a hot water musicy note which i really enjoyed mm -hmm. that's like not a and i, I think, never thought like, of that but that's totally true like there's a growl at times it's not as like again hot water mu music being like a bit more raucous like yeah. a little bit more obviously like of like a post hardcore emo band but they do have moments like where they're a bit more softer and they kind of have some flourishes like that 
but like that's what drew me to it was that kind of gruffled it was like oh yeah like this kind of like hits this for me like i like that um but then like that drew me to like listen to the lyrics and i'm like oh that's interesting and then you pay more attention to like what's going on lyrically like on a song like web in front um where the lyrics are super simple and super catchy like what a great opening song for an album right yeah the drums that open that song uh, just draw you in right out of the gate there's just like immediately it's just like they're they're handing you the rope and pulling you behind them yeah the way i the the reason why i love that song as an opener one is just like the kind of like it, it like you get like the fucking snare drum it almost is like watching a movie and seeing like the like you know slate cut shit and like you know, you're hearing it like kind of come in and then it just starts off with him stick a pin in your backbone and the guitar and the drums kind of come in and it's just like one guitar track, right? And then they like feed it in slowly and then you get the verse and then the song starts and like you hear everything kind of like lock into that groove. But then like the vocals start fucking around doing like interplay on the second verse, I feel. And it creates like this like really call and response that like plays to the like it's like mimicking almost like what's going on with the guitars because you have like a driving kind of constant thing going but then you also have like a little like shimmery little riff going on in the background kind of highlighting certain like riffs in there and i think like it kind of the vocals like have a good like mimicking nature to that so like the song kind of moves at a really good clip and the vocals drive it more than anything i think personally like especially at the end of the song like when he's like belting it out at totally the end of the agree. song like stock up like and then but then you have like that again like that baseline almost like a chorus below it of just like that kind of like coming in and out of him kind of coming in and out of that chorus to kind of like it almost makes those things like sound more stronger than when he like when he comes out of them and you know isn't just saying repeating a line that they might be saying so i think it's a very powerful song because like a simple song that just kind of does like an a b kind of riff thing and just kind of builds to this like this tension you know and the lyrics are great you know like when you actually listen to them it's kind of just like kind of sets the tone of just someone feeling helpless and frustrated and there's like a layer of that in the song it seems like with the relationship um and the music is kind of like torn where the there's like these like kind of like riffy kind of sparse sections of just like contemplation and maybe desperation, but then, you know, upbeat kind of like reminders of like what you're trying to do or whatever uh, to keep this relationship afloat. And then just kind of the third verse is just like that burst that like can't keep it in anymore. Um, and then you go into, I believe the second song is, let me pull up the track list real quick. Second um, song is wrong. Is, is wrong yeah wrong is the second track i believe on that uh last word is what i have oh, last this word is the, the deluxe maybe this yeah no you know what you might be right the third one yeah it is oh. it is it's i have it written down one. wrong no wrong is the third track you're okay. right but anyway. so last word is the second one <laughs> and that one is like a little you know i think it's a little bit more eccentric a little bit more different but it's like a good kind of like it's what I would want, maybe, based on like what I what I heard in Web in Front. To me, I've never 
it's never a song like I'm like, oh, I'm going to put on last word. Sometimes I skip it um, just because I'm about to hit on something I believe in, which is every great album has a holy trinity of songs, <laughs> which is wrong. You and me and Mike. Those three songs, I think, are that on this album. Uh, like every album has it, like just three songs that just like work perfectly together. And I think like are good representation of like maybe um, a story a narrative or a theme musically or lyrically that you're trying to present and like i think these three were are 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 probably pinnacle to the album to me like wrong is like them like straight up bopping along going for it just like almost just dino weirdo diner junior vibes and then yeah, it's got that perfect mix of kind of a quiet, loud, quiet thing too. Yeah, yeah. where yeah. It, it you know it's got a nice dynamic the whole way through. Yep, and like I'll say this: they know how to start a song like that because like they'll start it strong and then kind of back and back back down a little bit into it to like where it should sit, and then they'll right. kind of like bring you almost up to that point, really back down and kind of bring you into that world again. Yeah, they like find like of... a nice pocket to sit in for a while and then they bring the dynamic back. And it's 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 definitely a clever technique. And and again, they're they're really strong when they're in that pocket too. It's not like they lose yeah. anything by like bringing it to a really high point and then dropping it back. They they still somehow maintain a bit of the intensity and then turn yes. it back up. And that's oh, yeah. that's something else that's unique about this record too. Is there oh, yeah. very good about that? Like it's, yeah, it's not. I I think it. I think it's maybe a fair assessment for me to say it's like a, a stylistic um, choice they're probably intentionally making, probably throughout the album, um, to kind of do that. You know, obviously the songs are um, emotionally driven. You know, especially on a song like "You and Me," where you have a song like "Wrong" that has like this kind of driving, really just super kind of catchy fucking amazing guitar riff and like the drums their drumming is just like so good on this like on like on like the whole record but on this song it's amazing and then you go into like you and me which is like you know like you have this like super kind of like artificial high and then you have you and me which is like the fallout of all that you know and that is like an interesting dynamic on the record of like what goes on vocally and musically because you and me is like very sparse and i really like the the kind of quiet desperate nature yeah i mean and, and what i like about the quietness is that it brings in again intensity though when you hit the yes. one point the intensity's back and it drops off again and they're just that dynamic is really really it speaks to their capabilities of of songwriting and yes. I mean, even even after this project, I always liked Eric Bachman's work. I felt like his his vocals always are have been good. But I felt like yes. the, the difference with Archers of Loaf was the dynamics were so just they're they're perfect. They don't feel forced. And a lot yeah. of times I think that's something that happens, and particularly like, you know, I mean, all of us kind of listen to, you know, screamo music, if you will. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that's a problem in that dynamic is a lot of bands want to bring in the sing-songy stuff, but they lose the intensity. And when they try to get it back, it feels very forced. And a record like this 
you don't have that force. It just feels so natural yeah. in the yes. way that it, it, it rolls together. See, I think a key to a lot of their work on this record and achieving that as like someone who is a nerd about guitar playing and just things is like the sounds they create, sure, but also how they're playing. Like they'll pick like a spot, like one guitar player will just like have this like really chunky, fuzzy guitar riff like they'll just play like a like a three chord passage but then you'll have a guitar that's only playing hot on the high strings high up on the neck like a really shimmery passage so there's like a contrast so it sounds so so big because they're also doing quiet loud dynamics within the meta so like they have quiet loud within the guitar work and then like within the vocal work but with like background vocals and then like they'll have quiet loud passages like where they'll get super loud um so i think there's like a lot of dynamics and like where they're sitting like heart like you know frequency wise like you know like that plays into it like how they mix the guitars and like where they sit and how like when they come in to like on web in front like you're not getting like a loud guitar you're kind of getting a crunchy simple little riff and then everything kind of pops in and it like slams in and it's like damn this groups song like you and me it builds in a similar fashion where i want to say it's a bass riff right yeah i believe it is yeah it starts off with just like that kind of like kind of like almost like monotone nation was just kind of talking like that you know like delivered vocals like that just like just sitting down in a corner or in a shower just like mumbling it like mumbled lyrics not even just just like that kind of level of just like withdrawn and brokenness that you had mentioned so that's not i mean again to kind of get what you said like anytime you're going to get that they're building to something you know so it's not just them being quiet for being quiet sake and when it goes off like i think he says i've been feeling low lately you've been feeling low feel so lately or maybe it's i've been feeling so down lately i forget which one but like that just like fucking slams and you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, it's like that feeling of just like total frustration of like, what do you do once you've murmured to yourself about this thing 50 million times and then you just explode, you know? I think the music reflects that. Yeah, very absolutely. cathartic, very cathartic. It is. And maybe that's where some of the, um, I mean, maybe for me even, where some of the love for this record comes in is that it does have like these cathartic moments that kind of reach, reach somebody who's not in the audience for maybe like an indie band or, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of, I mean, cause again, not to get into like labels on any of it. Cause I really don't want yeah. to deal with that, but the yeah. circumstances are, I mean, it's like, they always get thrown in and lumped in with pavement. They get thrown in and lumped in with like modest ones, which by the way are all fair. Yeah, but yeah. there's also elements of this band that definitely fit 
outside that box. Definitely. And, yeah. you know, that that's the catharsis of the record in, in general. And some of the upbeat moments really drew me in. I like, I like the dynamic and I like that it's kind of, you know, it's very cohesive, but it also has that roller coaster ride. You know, yeah. you, you're up and down throughout the course. Sometimes it's yeah. the songs themselves, sometimes it's within the songs themselves. So yeah. that's another thing that I felt was, you know, very big for myself. I definitely like, and this is like going back to, you know, what Craig was saying about the vocals, like just listening through. Um, I mean, there's, there's some songs where the guitars are what they're playing. The vocals are actually what is holding down that moment, you know, in mm-hmm. his melody and stuff. And it's so, I don't know. It's so impressive, you know, because usually a lot of times, you know, if you got the two guitar players, they're going off doing, doing whatever you're really kind of like, okay, well, bass and drums will hold it down. You know what I mean? But I feel like with them, a lot of times it's actually the singer that is, which is weird. Like I can't really think of another band where that is in their dynamic. You know what I mean? I think like the only band that I've, that I know of that, I, I've never, I've never seen them live, so I can't really, I've never seen Archers of Love live, but there's a consistency. So the only band that I think has like, I assume they're heavily influenced by this just based on their sound is like Titus Andronicus. Oh yeah, totally. I think they're, that's like, they're incredible and, and, live. I saw them once and that was in, they, they um, played at UMass Lowell Rock for Tots with Polar Bear Club, O Pioneers, and um, I'm and I Polar want Polar Bear Club. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Because they're Which from Rochester fun. and I'm in oh, Syracuse, so. Hell yeah. Um, but they covered Piebald because like where we're from is like uh, the area where Piebald's from. And they covered oh, um, okay. American Hearts. Yep, yeah, I've seen them do that. Which is which is funny because so did O Pioneers. So like it was pretty <laughs> funny. O Pioneers it was, who, it was who, who did it better yeah. though, right? Yeah, that's the... I'm going to be honest with you. Who did the cover better? O Pioneers. That, that's my <laughs> nice. honest take. They did just, I thought that the vocals may not have been as good as the ones that Polar Bear Club did, but I like the vocalist of O Pioneers more because, again, nice. really scratching. Like, again, another reference point for me in this was like vocally, like O Pioneers is aggro, but Eric Bachman has those notes on other other moments and on other records. But sure, um, like that's wild that uh that uh that came up, but that's crazy. But like I, to me, Titus Andronicus, the only band that similarly can. Um, like draw and draw like a band forward like this but uh again i think that music and lyrically is a little bit different than like this kind of stuff um but sure. not to say there is not to say there isn't a narrative on this but i think when you're dealing like explicitly kind of narrative albums but i mean that's all I, titus does is just I'm gonna, narrative yeah albums i sure. mean i'm gonna be honest with you the monitor was one of my choices just because again it has like it's a great record a great record and it kind of hit on like guitar wise a similar thing except just way more weirder sure. a little bit more of like the kind of like Nutri-Milk Hotel droney thing which I'm sure. super into um as well but when you listen to some of these songs some of the guitars like it, you would expect them to be going off but they just like sit right like they sit right and then the vocals like kind of bounce it and then everything kind of locks in because like they are kind of a slacker band when i say that like they're loosey goosey (laughs) in the rhythm section like they're not super tight and this isn't a knock it just means that like 
you know, like your drummer and your bass player are probably playing together. And then your guitars are kind of just doing their own thing. Um, and it creates that space for the vocals, like for him. And he has a bit more of an assertive vocal presence than say like Stephen Malkmus or Jay Maskus or, you know, uh, Frank Black or, you know, some yeah. other people of that contemporary milieu. So that to me is like, he has a bit more of like that kind of grussily, garagey, kind of growly kind of nature to him at times. So I don't know, but I really like that. So maybe that like kind of plays into just like me being alert to that. I might have a predisposed bias to that, but I think it really plays to like the record's favor, whether or not you have a bias for it or not, like personally, um, just like the way the vocals are delivered, like the raucous nature in which he can reel it all in. But also like, like, again, I'll, I'll talk about vocal interplay on the record because I think it's like really interesting how they do it. Cause it's not just like on a song or two. Like I want to say even on you and me, like when he does go into the, like the rock, like the shouty parts, I want to say there's even like a little low hum chorus of I've been so down yep. lately. You've been so down lately. That was one thing I noticed too, that I don't remember Like I wouldn't compare um archers of love to like fucking pop music or whatever but just this uh running theme where like you establish like okay this is the vocal melody and then mm-hmm. potentially at some point later in the song that comes back is the background so he can kind of explode you know what i mean over yep. top of it which sounds kind of weird but i think you guys get what i'm saying <laughs> i know what you're talking about yeah yeah like it creates the basis for him to kind of step out yes dare i say yeah it's like he creates the foundation like the riff of like i've been so down lately and then he just riffs on top of that in his fashion and i think like like it is rooted in the 90s like kind of like you know recording nature where even if you were in an art rock band you know like you could get on the radio yeah true which is why like i love i mean pavements cut your hair like that song is just like it hits in this kind of like fashion where like there's like a even if like you're like all right the song's about like a failed relationship whatever there has to be like other external factors like you know that make you want to write music like i i think creatively like that feeling of like being around a bunch of artists like in chapel hill being influenced by a bunch of shit that's going on it's like the exchange of everything at the time like you know sonic youth probably becoming big probably is a big deal like that like opens up everything for everybody um and kind of i think i'm not gonna ignore that as an influence on this but like that's like to me i don't mean this in a mean way but like kind of a given just because they again kind of do some things in a similar vein where they like have albums where they're really angular and weird but then they also have an album like goo or oh yeah you know like just great music through and through that i think is like very definitive of like their sound but is like a contemporary but has like a maybe a bigger influence and pull so it's like that's how like archers of love gets on mtv you know what i mean for a little bit you know it's not maybe because like our archers of love is blah 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 it's because sonic you nirvana kind of open up the floodgates for anything um to come through which is dope so we're clear yeah like that's not a bad thing like 
it's really interesting to see how like that album is like reflective of like when it's made and kind of how things go like I don't think it's intentional by any stretch of the means I just think that uh like that's how it goes you know yeah those were the times you know yeah and I think I think you'd be hard pressed to find a band that wasn't somewhat influenced by Sonic Youth in in the early 90s that's what I'm trying to say you know like it's I mean it's like that band was they kicked the door down for so many bands to get through the door i mean legitimately i don't think you know the pixies would have been as widely accepted without a band like sonic youth having you know put out the records they put out prior yeah. to that i mean i oh yeah i mean i'm biased to sonic youth too so let's be fair <laughs> on that um, yeah. yeah but Same. i mean i i i feel like that band was was definitely kicking the door in for all these bands, but that doesn't mean that it, it takes away from the artistry nope. of any of the bands that came after either. Because I mean, you look oh, yeah. at any any era. I mean, there's a uh, hundred bands who come out after a band and sound very similar in vain, and you know, I don't want to say capitalize on the success, but they definitely, you know, benefit from that band being the one who kicked the door in for them to run through. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What I find fun and interesting about kind of like the bands we're talking about kind of like that milieu of early to mid aught mid 90s bands like how like as i said like i don't want to be reductive when i mention this but like it is important to note like that is like a like a thing like there is an acceptance of like kind of more angular kind of guitar music going on whether it be what people are listening to or like radio play or um, just the prominence of underground music and, you know, like because of trends and music that were kind of in like the way people consume music at the time. But like, I don't, I didn't mean that. I hope that didn't come across as reductive, but like Sonic Youth, just like, they're pretty overarching, you know what I mean? Cause they kind of blend like the underground of everything and just say like, what if like we just did it? Um, like, yeah. Like to to like say that they're not influenced by like Fugazi or like Minute like they did like in our contemporaries of these bands like yeah. Minutemen you know they influenced and they all played like, together and stuff all played together like Minutemen um like all that stuff like I think is like a like a important footnote all these although these bands may not like directly sound like that that's like kind of where they're coming from so. Although, like, Arches of Loaf and Pavement are on, like, opposite sides of the world, like, they're not doing the one just, like, the same thing. So to say that they're, like, yeah, there's a touch of Pavement isn't to say that it's, like, reductive either. It's, like, I think it's more to my experience of, like, um, oh, this is, like, an easy latch-on point. But I think part and parcel of some of that is, like, that kind of detached slacker rock nature of maybe is, like, like a stylistic choice. And I think it, it's not something that either particularly lean on all the time, but I think it works well when they do it. I also think that all of those artists, although like we're talking about them, like they are very different and stand alone. So I think it's very different. Like some artists you can be like, oh yeah, like they're contemporaries and, and like whatever, but it's hard to like, like all these bands are like pretty hard hitters, like in the big scheme of everything, like very influential bands. I can speak for myself only, you know, but wild range of stuff. But like, like I want to say Icky Metal is their first full length too, right? Am I wrong on that? 
think it no, is. No, yeah. it is their first full length. Yeah, like let that be noted, I, which this, is also impressive. Impressive like, about it. I was, yeah, I was, that's where I was like trying to get at is like, even like though they are kind of like you know in it and sure, like this is their first release. Like this is their first album. This is like pretty adventurous for a band that like at its roots has a pretty stripped down rock and roll sound. Like they're not pedal heavy. Like they're not some shoegaze band. They're not like reliant on effects. They're like, they kind of make their music and they make it a certain way and they do it and they do it well. Like there's nothing wrong with either approach. I just think that they kind of have like a weird referentially like garagey sound but it's weird, you know, like, I, yeah, I, I feel like it's like it, I can understand like why like they would have gotten some residual hype, like in the nineties, like even just removed from anything they were doing to like deserve, like, like touring and releasing really good music. Cause again, this is like their first full length. They did have the EP, I think in 92, which is um, Arches of Love versus the world. And that record is really good. And it has a lot of this stuff. I think it's a little bit more lo-fi, um, but great songs. Where they go from here is like very different. Like VV, a great record, but I think like is is like them toying around with like, rather than try to be like, oh, how do we blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we have this dynamic, like let's build it out. Um, and I think sometimes people like with bands from that era forget that they're not trying to like recreate a, a project as much as they're trying to like change the dynamics of how they play or like how they play with each other, which is a different approach maybe than say other particular um, trends in the past. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense to me as well. I, I you know, I, I mean, I, I like most of their work, um, mm-hmm. but I definitely agree. I think, and I think that it's, it, it there was, a, you know, the nineties had a tendency with a lot of bands to like recreate the wheel. Yeah. You know, they oh, yeah. had something that worked, but they would go back and be like, yeah, we're going to do something similar, but it's going to be almost completely different to the point where mm-hmm. like one record is amazing. And the next one's almost an unlistenable piece of shit. And it, like, you have to like put yourself through that. Whereas, I, you know, one band that always comes to mind when I think of a band that changes the sound enough, to not sound the same on every record but also you know it's them and and it's not in this genre at all but it's converge because every <laughs> yeah, record is slightly yep. different but you know it's converge every yep. time and they yep. have this capability and and you know i don't think that was something that was as present in the 90s i think there was a lot of like you know moving away from something towards something else or you know wanting to bring in like a flourish of something, but they do it so frequently that it loses, you know, the, maybe the passion of the last project or oh, for sure. loses the, the identity that they've sure. almost like forged for themselves, you mm-hmm. know? Oh yeah. Another thing I want to note about this, like this band and like this record is like kind of something that you mentioned is like how like you would expect like on songs like web in front or my, or you know any sort of song where it drives like you would expect the drums and the bass to like really kind of kick start it and like kick it going and it's just like really in the pocket and like it really lets the vocals build but like i really like that their songwriting is like accommodating to not just like we want to write like this sick music and then make like these vocals work it's like working together rather than sometimes i feel in the 90s like a lot of bands especially because they get 
big like on their first album because of um you know just kind of labels looking for talent and just everybody like that was kinda... looking for the next nirvana yeah. i mean let's yeah. be realistic yeah. everybody yeah. was like oh they're they're grunge they're alt rock fucking sign them they're gonna be yeah. the next big thing <laughs> yeah plus like there's a fertile grooming crop of like you know you're coming off of the 80s diy boom and kind of like that change from like it being exclusively like chain punks you know what i mean not to bring up sure. that meme as a joke but uh you know like chain punk material to just like like you know punk in the sense of like diy but like and rooted in like maybe doing it yourself but maybe the aesthetics aren't so outwardly aggressive or like the material isn't as political or you know socially minded it's it can still be socially minded but like it's not rooted in like um you know that like i think like you have like this cropping of like different movements in the diy music scene and things kind of coming together where bands are touring and playing and that's like building and like that exchange of kind of creativity is like rubbing off so that's like how you get a band like arches of loaf not wanting to just do icky metal is like probably playing with other artists at a time when like they're probably being challenged to like not be like pavement but like how can we challenge ourselves to like one be different but also separate ourselves like when you're constantly being referred to as like nirvana or or pavement sure. or you know weezer or something like 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 this is like when weezer you know might have had like a little bit of respect behind it <laughs> um what do you what do you mean they're not respected now <laughs> Dude, I saw them like two summers, whatever. I'm, I think they're big enough that I can sort of talk a little smack. But I saw Weezer and I saw the fucking Pixies open for them. What the fuck is that shit? But anyway, yeah. um, they still play the old songs good. But I, I don't, I, I don't know what they're doing now. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. I think they're memeing themselves like. I think they're being very <laughs> ironic about everything. And like, I do kind of get the respect that like, like it might be a big fuck you to everybody. That'd be like, funny. If like years like, down the road, Rivers Cuomo comes out and he's like, yeah, we just like, we were just fucking around and seeing if people would keep buying our music. The Andy like, Kaufman of the music yeah. called Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> like, I mean, but like, think of it, like imagine like just being spiteful and then just like being like, <laughs> Like a band that like, right? <laughs> like, cause you make the blue album Pinkerton and then like pretty much like he, you know, doesn't really feel so hot because everyone's being like really harsh on him after Pinkerton. Everyone dunks on him, like shits on him. And which like, is, he stopped... which is interesting because it becomes a yes. cult classic yeah. in a matter of a short period of time. It wasn't like that took 20 years for the record to get big. I mean, yeah. it was it, by 2000, that record, I mean, what, mm -hmm. four years and yeah. people were already talking about it being better than the blue record. And by the way, I liked Pinkerton when it came out. I didn't yeah. dislike it. I never got um, it. I was like... I mean, I understood why people beef. didn't like it. Because it wasn't the same as... The, they wanted the same, like, poppy vibe as the first one. And it was not that at all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being 16 when it came out, it hit a certain note for me. And, mm -hmm. you know... And I'll be honest, as, as weird as it sounds, I think the Deftones were a big... A big influence on people liking Pinkerton because they covered tracks yeah. on, them, yeah. Yeah. on a regular yeah. basis, and yeah. it brought in a new audience of people who didn't give a fuck about Weezer. I yeah. mean, as we're getting way off topic of Archers of Loaf, yeah. but in all honesty, you know, 
legit I, I you know i agree i mean i think i think and i mean i i'm assuming you're referring to the fact that archers of loaf opened for weezer at one point yes. <laughs> so you know i i yeah i i don't know but that would be great it would be great if this was just a big andy kaufman stunt where he was like oh yeah you guys decided you're gonna shit on my second record and so I just decided I was just going to make the worst possible choices <laughs> and you would buy it anyway. Well, like I will just like my statement on that is like, you know, like him being like a bit of like a shh. like he made some good music like Rivers Cuomo, like the band, like, sure. I mean, he's like the front person, like kind of principal songwriter. He like wrote some really good shit, but then like, like, I don't know. I, I, I can't take Weezer seriously as a band. But, Dude, I would uh, argue that they, I don't want to say they lost still credibi- no. credibility, but, but when yeah. Matt Sharp left that band, the original yeah, bass yeah. player, yeah. I just think that you, like, how more obvious can you get? He's on the first two albums, and then I know, Ron, you and I talked about Green Album, but I mean, you got to admit there's like, in the songwriting between Pinkerton to Green, there's oh. like a stark decline there, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, I don't hate the green record. I don't love it by any yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, it wasn't as bad as everything that came after it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything that came after I'll, it was just yeah, an absolute I'll... shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll back that. But like, there's a lot of bands in the 90s where you look at them and like, I think Arch of Lo- Archers of Loaf is kind of like, right? So we talked about like that rise of like what happens, what happens in the fallout, right? Sure. What happens like when that isn't cool anymore? Yeah. What happens like when no one's really interested anymore? Like what keeps you going? I, and I, I think like, that's that's a difference that we have now compared mm-hmm. to then is that the internet gives you the ability to still find that niche audience that's going to mm-hmm. support it even if it's not like thousands of people supporting it. You're yeah. still going to have people supporting yeah. it enough that you're going to know that the band is at least liked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Whereas back then, it's like, you know, if you didn't do certain things, like you weren't going to get in like record stores, you know, like the distribution sure. networks. Didn't have, like the rock press, the mainstream rock press giving yeah. you some sort of praise, you know, I mean, it's uh, there's there's bands that I can think of off the top of my head. I won't name that. I really think get way too much credit from that that era. Um, and there's plenty of bands that didn't get any kind of credit and you know archers of loaf being one even pavement being one i don't think pavement as much as people hype them now i mean in the 90s they weren't as as hyped as they as they are at this point and even modest mouse i mean those bands were all good in their time too and they didn't really pick up steam until later and i really think the internet has a lot to do with it because you didn't have the ability when when i was growing up you know 16 when when uh pinkerton came out so like there wasn't an internet to go on and look for something like you had to either seek out music through magazines or you were especially where i came from you know i'm from the middle of nowhere so kmart was our music store like we didn't go to a hundred different places there wasn't a record store locally i mean i didn't see vinyl till i was 19 years old with like in a store so yeah. you know, I think I think the the thing that changed too is that a lot of this is more accepted because people would have probably loved it then too if there had been a platform that yeah. allowed people to hear it. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? And I was like going to state that like this record is like a very much a byproduct of how like you make music in an underground world. I feel like it's about exchanging ideas and like how they succeeded as a band was not because Icky Metal did really well. It was because they were good musicians and knew what they were doing and wrote music afterwards that is reflective of that. You know, it's just yeah. wild. that This is their first record. Like also like the artistic pressure you have to feel to like make something that because like you're in the realm of like pavement and dinosaur junior and the pixies and Nirvana and everything fucking else going on in the world. Like, you know, that is like happening, like Europe, European bands and et cetera. Out of my voices. Yep. Exactly. Guided by voices. I mean, there was a ton of stuff in that in that same area that were all slightly different, but were all kind of, you know, I mean, you could see them all playing together, which is another thing that I think was interesting about the time as opposed to now where it is definitely like, oh, no, if you see like a big group of people's coming to town, like a pop group you know it's going to be two other shitty pop groups that are playing <laughs> yeah. with it. It's not going to be anything yeah. that, that kind of like yeah. differentiates anybody on that bill. Yeah, it's pretty homogenous and like what, what you're going to get as far as like music. And like, so I think like that should be noted too, like where they're coming from is Chapel Hill. Like, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, like let's, like that the kind of music scene they come from is like uh, them, Polvo, I think Chavez. That sounds um, right. I forget if Slint is from there. No. They're no. Kentucky? I could be wrong. I just know Rodan's from Kentucky. Cool. And I think Rodan was like, I don't know. That's a whole nother combo. But... Yeah, they're from the... Slint's from Louisville. Mm. Yep, you're right. Yep. But Super Trunk was in that same Yeah. Yep. You know, realm too. I mean Oh yeah. Um the thing I find interesting is I recently found this band that's like unrelated, but like to maybe like get across like how like this can like play out. Like uh, the singer for Lesnar, Mike, was like, oh, I know you were looking for some stuff, like some new jams. Here's like something to check out. And it was this band called the Young Pioneers. I don't know if y'all are familiar with them. The name sounds familiar, I'm not, but it's um, members of Born Against. Nice. Um, they're like crusty kind of like proto folk punk album i guess uh the album first virginia uh volunteers is really good but it's like almost like promise it's like crusty promise ring and it kind (laughs) of the guitar work at times um is like a uh definitely kind of like an archers of low for off i feel like as far as like how like it kind of like weaves and, and stuff. And I found that interesting how like that plays into the, like that kind of like how even though like they Arches of Loaf, it might be hard to replicate like their sound. Sure. Because it's dictated by like how the songs move vocally and how like the lyrics and the music interplay with each other. And like that palette that they we were mentioning before like how they kind of build the bass to kind of like riff off and to like blast off into riff land like i think that might even just like kind of come from like their peers to being like around bands that are kind of like a little bit 
more rooted in like that kind of i definitely want to maybe cite pulvo in this regard like a band that like will write longer songs mm-hmm. like a certain patience with dynamics or like a riff and while like they might definitely lean more towards like the prog kind of like angular stuff i think mentioning like that interplay like they're playing alongside like archers of love like that's not like uncommon you know what i mean so like there is that exchange of like being in like a music scene together so like you're gonna probably play with each other and probably be influenced by each other and just kind of how that goes like because they're kind of like i mean for me like i don't know if it's me projecting but they're kind of like the two bands that i like reach for you know i mean is super chunk from chapel hill i always i always forget i thought they were from chapel hill i can look and check so i'm not I'm positive i could sure. one they were they yeah. are from chapel hill um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm a bit, I'm a big Super Chunk fan, so same. I understand exactly where you're coming. I mean, not every record was great, but Watery Hands yeah. is still one of my favorite songs. I think a lot of these, like, I would say Arches of Loaf, because they have, what are their full lengths? I want to say they only have three. There was um, obviously Icky Metal. Mm-hmm. You've got VB. You've got, let's see, you've got All the Nation's Airports. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, white trash heroes. Yeah, I wasn't sure if white trash heroes was before or after. My timeline with them isn't the best. Um, All nations airports, like, it's a solid record, but I mean, it's hard to follow Vivi. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's like another thing. They went from icky metal to Vivi. Like, holy shit! Yeah. Like. I was talking to Ron about that, that like, I don't want to say like back in the day, because I wasn't, no offense, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm old, but in 93, I wasn't fucking, you know, I don't know yeah. what I was even listening to, you know, um, yeah. but that, you know, you would see, um, at least on, you know, online publications and things like that, they would be like, which Archers of Loaf album is better? I think it's Phoebe. I think it's Icky Metal. And that was always like, sort of like, this yeah. sort of head-to-head thing, but I think they're like different enough albums that they, they weirdly, yeah. you know, they can exist and yeah. both be equally good. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Because I think like, like if you appreciate them as like Arches of Loaf records, like, you know, I think like the nature of the content on VV is probably just a little bit like musically different. And I think the vocals are a little bit more experimental they still have like some of like the nature of the things that like i i I think are there i just think that they're like i mean for example vv has like harness and slums you know what i mean like that's like one of my favorite archers of love songs like i love that song but they also have like some more like i think like they kind of get more into like grooving around on the rhythm section which is not a problem for me like at all like really like vv but icky metal like on that it's a bit more constrained i feel not to say they don't make good use, because I think, like, again, they, they're there, but they're, like, very pocketed. It seems like the songs are, like, way more intentionally structured lyrically on Icky Metal than on VV. And that's why I personally chose it. I mean, my other choices for records when I like talking about them, because, like, again, like, when I choose something like this, like, it has to be, like, it has to hit, like, a lot of things for me also i love the art for the record yeah. can we talk about that yeah it's great. Like, i love the art for it you know like it's good it jumps out at you i think it 
it's like a fun i think it like not like in a nerdy way but i think it like suits the record um like of what you're gonna hear you know the feeling like it kind of has like a big mixed up kind of feeling but it's also kind of shouting at you (laughs) (laughs) um and just aesthetically i really enjoy it i don't know what y'all think about uh what are your what are your favorite moments on the record i'll ask you that ron you want to go you you need to go you can go um So I, I feel very uh, weird in this um, because one of, one of my, uh, my favorite songs on this album is one that hasn't been talked about at all. And it's Toast, which is very it's strange up. because it's like, I, I don't want to say it's the anti everything we've been talking about, but I feel like it's, minim- it's way more minimalist on a vocal level. And it relies yep. more on just music. And it might be a little bit longer, too. I think it's like four-something minutes versus, you know, two, three minutes yep. of a lot of the other ones. But mm-hmm. I really like that one. It comes sort of towards the end of the album, too. Um, yep. And I don't know. I think it kind of goes to something uh, maybe Ron said earlier, just that there, there's all these, like, different dynamic shifts, like, throughout the album, but it all still is cohesive. And that song, even though it is, um, I would say it's different than a lot of what precedes it. It's still them. And it's kind of like a nice surprise. (laughs) So that that was what caught me, I guess, when I was uh, listening through after, uh, after a while, you know, I was about to hit on like the B side of this record. Cause like, I think a lot of the times people like are like, Oh, the A side is like pretty much, like the first eight songs are, you know, yeah. like all the, like the first five to six songs are amazing. Um, like Plum Line. Plum Line is song awesome. people, Plum Line is a song people don't talk about, but it's a groovy little bop. You know, it's a fun one. Lero, You're a Hole. Like that song is definitely, you know, again, um, a bit more guitar driven, but still kind of like uh, angular. And I think like. I like the tempo of that track. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, just the, the the way that track moves is, is one of the the things that I like about it. It was one of the ones that I actually was going to mention as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, for me, definitely um, the the Holy Trinity tracks are the three that he mentioned earlier. Probably <laughs> my three, probably my three favorites. Um, you and me is probably my favorite track, and it's probably that I am partial to hearing that first as a cover song by American Nightmare. Oh, that, that's and nice. so yeah. you know, I believe I believe it may be listed under "Give Up the Ghost." because of the name yeah. bullshit thing uh yeah. however that that song stood out to me the first time i heard it even way back and it, it's the one that probably if i pick something out to throw on like a mix 
I throw that one on most frequently, even if it doesn't fit yeah. the vibe of what's going on, just because I really enjoy the song. But there, yeah. there isn't a song that I dislike on it. And, it, and it's a record right. that gets listened to for me. I would probably, I mean, if I'm being honest, probably once a month that gets a spin yeah. for me. And yeah. it's because, and, and much like, you know, Matt had picked a record by this band, The Plan, and mm-hmm. very similar, the records are good in their entirety. And I think yes. that that speaks volumes to certain albums, you know, that's not to say that there, you know, there aren't moments where you're like, okay, I, this is not as cool as what I like about this, but it's not one where I feel like I'm obligated to go, oh, I can't, yeah. this track is just, un- yeah. you know, you know I, I really like it the whole way through. I like the way it is a cohesive unit. And I think that I, I agree with you. The B side does not get kind of the love it, it deserves. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, but I don't think there's a song on here that doesn't deserve to, to get a listen. Um, yeah. There's plenty of records that I'm sure we have coming up that will definitely not get that vibe from me. <laughs> uh, however, this was one that when you sent me this, I didn't have to do a lot of work on it yeah. because I've listened to it so many times. Yeah, and you know I have the reissue, uh, the remastered reissue that yeah. Merge did, and. I mean, I love, I love the record. I don't, I don't have a negative thing to really say yeah. about it. I was, I was taken in the first time I heard it after hearing Same. the cover and just really, you know, I, I really like his vocals and mm-hmm. I just feel like the control he has to sound somehow at times calm yet strained and have that ability to sound, you know, sad yet angry. And like the way he controls all of that is such a highlight to me for this record and if I were somebody first listening to it, I would not recommend you and me being the first song that you listen to. I would recommend the first song that you listen to be like, you know, um, something at the beginning, whether it be wrong or whether it be, you know, web in front, something of that nature. Those would be the ones that mm-hmm. I would definitely reach yeah. for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I for me, web in front is such like a good intro song to an album right you know what i mean like it's 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 great and i like with this album too um i mean this might sound like bullshit but i think it's true that it sort of establishes kind of everywhere you're gonna go i was about to Um, say the same um, thing you know what i mean like like not maybe to some of the extremes they take it here there or wherever but i feel like all those sort of elements are like right there and and it's um i don't want to say it's like a poppier thing but it it has that kind of catchiness it has that where like you're like okay so i feel like it definitely brings you in and because it sets that mood then when you're on this like listen journey or whatever the hell you want to call it you're already down because you know kind of you've already had that established in your head like this is where it's going you know what i mean oh for sure oh for sure like i think it uh i agree i was gonna say i think it's a really good song to show people as like a first listen because if you enjoy this you're probably gonna enjoy you know a vast majority of the material on this record you know even if you don't enjoy every single song you're probably gonna walk away saying i enjoyed listening to this um and over time you know i think once because like for me you know like when i was listening to it the first time i was like oh this is like like the songs that jumped out at me would be like songs like 
um, like you and me or uh, like fat, sick file, backwash and toast. Like those are kind of like weird. Those kind of jump out at me as just kind of like, this is like a little different from what I'm used to, but kind of speaking to what you said, like it is a cohesive album and it like needs to be listened, not needs to, but probably should be listened to front to back um, as just kind of a representation of just like what's going on lyrically um, and musically. Cause like sick files fucking gnarly. Love that song. It's like a straight up punk song. Yeah, it's hundred percent. I agree. And, and why I feel like it needs to be put together in a cohesiveness like that. And, and I like that about records because I'm an album listener. I'm not a big, like, mm-hmm. I don't love singles. Like, mm-hmm. like even, even when a band is going to put out an album and they put out like the first track, a lot of times it's hard for me just to go, okay, I'm going to listen to this because yeah. I might love that track and then come back and listen to the rest of the thing. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is a train wreck like this was so good but then when you hear the song before it you're so used to that sound in your head that when that next song comes on it either detracts from it or it detracts from the first song and so you know i am definitely somebody who prefers to listen to an album in its entirety or an ep i mean if it's a single and it's two songs cool but i mean if it's gonna be something that's on an album i definitely have the preference for something that's very you know, cohesive. And what I liked about this is, although it's cohesive, it, there's there's parts of it that feel like it could fall apart at the seams at any time and come apart and just unravel into something crazier. And it doesn't. They have that ability to just like, it feels like it's going to go one way and they just have that ability to kind of like pull back or they have the ability to where it feels like they're pulling back to just put their foot back down on the pedal and move forward. And yeah, as, as, as an album, I, you know, I was stoked you picked this one. I was very happy with Hell this yeah. choice. Truthfully. I was excited I'm very happy. too. Because I, I don't know, coming into this whole project, I was like a little worried. I'm like, well, are we only going to be talking about, you know, hardcore punk stuff? Not that I'm anti, I'm just not as knowledgeable. And then when you're like, oh yeah, this is uh, Craig's pick. I was like, oh shit. Like, I've listened to that album a bunch of times. <laughs> like, awesome. Hell yeah. I'm glad that like, it's something that you guys felt like, you know, comfortable to speak on too. Cause I'd rather it be that way than me nerd out. Um, <laughs> like honestly, cause like y'all definitely uh, concisely put some things that I had in my head, but couldn't phrase them. Like <laughs> it also, is just nice to also nerd out with some people who, you know, enjoy the same thing. And I mentioned this and I tried to make this explicitly clear and this is where I sound like a jerk. Although like I definitely play screamo music and stuff. And, like that's like been like my core mainstay or like hardcore some fashion. Like that stuff's great. But as an artist, like I need something to like do other than that. Like that isn't always the most sustainable way of writing all the time. So like I also have like other avenues and, and, and whatnot and like Arches of Love is a band that when I was like damn I need to like revamp some whenever I need to revamp my songwriting hitch regardless of what it's for like Web in Front uh, it's just a song I listen to you know like layering or like how to like get your shit to like groove I might listen to like that song and like play the riffs for a week or something I still remember like the first time I heard it 
because it is an intro track. This is like not something I particularly find myself doing, but I had to play it again and again. And I was like, holy shit. Like the first time I, cause I didn't hear it divorced from like the, the album. Like I heard the album, you know, it wasn't like right. I heard web in front and then like downloaded the album or something or right, like right. listen to it. It was like, I listened to the album. So it was like, it was like hard for me to move on from like, so like when I say like last word, it's not a bad song. Like I never want to say that. It's just like hard to follow it up. Right. And, and it's, and it's sandwiched between web in front yeah. and, and wrong. So yeah, awesome. it's sandwiched between two songs that are just killer that like, it just falls by the wayside. I mean, not to be like condescending about the track, but I think it's just, it's, it's a good song. And if it was on another album by another band, it probably would be a standout track, but yeah. because it's sandwiched between these two amazing songs that, you know, among you know, like, I think there's like 13 tracks on the record. Yeah. And yeah. of the 13 tracks, I mean, almost every one of them is fantastic. So, you, yeah. you know, it gets lost in a mix of, of things that are already really, really well done. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, because again, like, I think it should be noted, like, they're not just like doing a thing. Like, they're kind of trying like a bunch of different things on this record. Like, you have like songs like Web and Front, like you could lump them in with songs like Wrong and Might and sure. Backwash and Plumbline. But when you like really start to like listen to the album, there's a lot more going on. I feel like when there's a simplicity or a starkness or a weirdness, like it's intentional. Like I feel like they're trying to, like there's a reflective nature to what they're trying to achieve and like an artistic kind of choice. I know it sounds silly, but there's going to be times when it's not going to hit as hard. Like there's some stuff they do on like last word that they might do better on other parts of the album. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's better or worse. It is to say right. like, this is their first album and they're to have one song sandwiched between like, Ooh, I'm going to say a series of five songs and have one of them fall flat. That's not bad. No. And I don't even know like, that it necessarily falls flat as much as it's just that comparatively yeah, speaking, comparatively what surrounds flat, it, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it just squashes it. Like, it's just, it's like there's giants around it and it's an ant and eventually it's going <laughs> to get stepped on. It would be like um, watching Motley Crue <laughs> next to like... Um, and I'm going to just make a really ridiculous reference because this is just the juxtaposition would be fun next to like a fucking um, like orchid set, like going on at the same time. Like you're not going to hear it. Like you're not going to hear it. Right. That's, um, yeah. That's hilarious. So it's like, it doesn't necessarily make Motley Crue better. Right. right. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. It's, it's, it's the concept that, you know, I mean, and also, it, it could be somebody else's favorite track. I mean, the, the thing about doing this that is is interesting is kind of getting the perspective of what the individuals that you're speaking to yeah. actually are interested in on a record. Because yeah. I'm certain that there are going to be plenty of things in the upcoming episodes where there's going to be disagreements on which tracks everyone likes. This is a hard record to pinpoint because there is... I mean, there's just not a bad track on the record. It's just not, it's not a record that drags at any point either. 
for a record that's you know what 46 or 47 minutes long yep. it flies by yeah definitely it's not a long feeling listen you know no nope. um no nope. so that's the other thing i mean if if somebody has an hour drive somewhere this is a perfect record to throw on because it's not gonna the drive isn't gonna feel long it's gonna feel like it went by so fast because a record like this really just like yeah. has so much steam in it that it just it, it doesn't drag and that's something that, that I think is also unique for a first record because I feel like a lot of first records I mean even some that I, I enjoy like uh, Smashing yeah. Pumpkins Gish I, I yeah. like the record but there are parts of that record that drag so heavily and that's why Siamese Dream's a better record like it's just yeah. like yeah. The, the drag that comes with some of these things kind of just doesn't hold up the way that something like this really holds up because of the fact that every track is is kind of i mean it could stand alone every tracks can oh, yeah. stand alone and and survive and i don't For feel sure. like that's you know there's not a lot of records like that but i also feel like it doesn't necessarily have as much like weight behind it that other records from contemporaries have which i think is an interesting thing right like, sure. I feel like they kind of get lost in the shuffle. I'm not saying that they're underdogs or anything. Like, they're, yeah. they are who they oh. are. Like, but... I mean, underdogs actually feels fair to me when it comes yeah. to them. Because it's... Do you? I mean... Okay. Because I, I, I always do. thought that, but, like, I didn't want to impose that on an artist. You know what I mean? I'll impose like, it. What are they going to do? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> We're giving I, no, I think... <laughs> No, I think I think personally, the reason I think they're underdogs is because you look at the people that were contemporaries with them. Like I said, you look at bands like Dinosaur Jr., you look at bands like Pavement, the Pixies. Those were bands that, I mean, those were kind of household names. Archers of Loaf really wasn't when I was growing up. I didn't know Archers of Loaf until I was 23 or 24 years old versus, mm-hmm. you know, Pavement, who I knew as a teenager, you know, versus yeah. the Pixies, who obviously I knew. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. was all over MTV. I mean, you know, so yeah, I think they, I do think they have somewhat of an underdog status that way. But I also think when you look at how their record and, and, you know, Icky Metal and VV, the way they hold up to those other records, they're every bit as good, if not better than some of those records. Yep. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I don't know if that's part and parcel of like just them not being beaten over my head my whole life. You know what I mean? Like I still love for sure. I still love it. But at the same time, I think it's just because of maybe where they probably didn't give a shit about PR or any of that bullshit really. So they're probably like, we don't really care about playing the game. You know what I mean? They kind of like saw where it takes them and what the limitations of that are. I feel and kind of realize, fuck it, like, we kind of just have to do our own shit. Absolutely. Not to say they weren't before, but, like, maybe how you carry yourself as a band, you know what I mean? And if you're not really interested in that shit, why put all your effort into it when you can just put it into writing music? And I feel like maybe they kind of, not to say other bands didn't, but maybe they were, like, a little bit more resilient to kind of do that. They kind of want to let their art speak for itself and, you know talk to people that they felt pertinent not to say that they weren't like not that they wouldn't talk to people but they are again i think sometimes lost in the shuffle of of bands from that time um and it's like a perfect record like as much as i love pavement 
there's some tracks on some albums I don't like, you know, <laughs> like a hundred percent, you know, like I can still think that record is pretty fucking good and like amazing and had a really big influence on me and still like also be like, not every track is good or even like the drop off is like significant. There's like not that with this that I experience where it's like, all right, cool. Like they go for it artistically from the gate not to say that other artists didn't i feel like they might have already had a like kind of way they wanted to play music develop before this sure um or maybe weren't as willing to kind of like create those dynamics that you need to create in order to make music the way they do um right where it's a little bit more visceral i think than other stuff going on it's not for like lack of experimentation because i mean like the flaming lips are are there you know and it's not like there's anything else but like again just everything that kind of happens afterwards it just it's it's hard to negate its influence i feel yeah i i agree and the specific album yeah a hundred percent i i agree with that i mean it's i i feel like there's there's handfuls of records for me in particular that aren't necessarily by an artist that i you know always reach for or aren't by, you know, but that every time I hear it, I'm like, wow, this is great. Or a band that I liked, and then I hear it, you know, I haven't listened to it in a while, and I go back to it, and I don't feel the same connection to it. And I think that's everyone, you know, I don't think that's a unique thing to myself by any stretch. But when when it comes to this record, and when you think about it, for, for your relationship to the record, is it more of a personal relationship or was this kind of a record that opened up for you other bands that you found because of archers of woe or were they a band that you found because of other bands and it just became like a personal record for you i'm gonna say it's very much a personal record for me i had been very aware of everything else and i'd always seen the name come up Mm -hmm. so i kind of just found it one summer when i was like fucking around on a music blog I had gotten into like super chunk and was like, cool, really like these albums. And then it was like, Oh, you know, I think it was like on like all music or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't know that I, I heard them. I mean, I downloaded the whole record initially and then I bought it, but yeah, um, I bought it on CD back then because it was, that was pre discogs and eBay yeah. wanted a fortune for everything. <laughs> So I remember buying that on CD, but I remember downloading it initially and just immediately being like, okay, this is awesome. I, I, I have to have this. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I get that. I, I also used to use a website called Epitonic back in the day, which would just have like one song by an artist. And I'm shocked yeah. they weren't on there because there were plenty of like, it's where I heard Mohinder and like um, so many different bands. Um, were on there the mon orchid oh yeah um, like just really weird stuff but like th- that was a band that never popped up polvo was on there though super chunk was yeah. on there like wow so yeah. you know it was weird that like that didn't come around until you know like a hardcore band and again i i man first of all i want to thank you for giving up so much of your time to talk to us obviously oh, thank you for but, having me seriously but if I can have you just wrap it up in a neat package before we let you go, totally. what is the reason that you think everybody should should listen to the record? What about this record sticks out to you that makes you feel like everyone should give this a listen? 
I think this record has a really good way to take a snapshot of what was going on artistically at a time, but it's still creatively relevant. And I think still challenges me to a musician as a musician to this day. And it's still influential to artists like lyrically, musically. I think it transcends what it was doing at the time. And it has continuously influenced not only my writing, but like my guitar playing and I'm sure others, you know, um, I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels this way based on how y'all, you know, kind of have talked about how much you've listened to it, you know? Um, so that's kind of why I chose it was it's a little bit of an underdog album that I think doesn't get the credit it deserves. And I'm sure like plenty of people know Archers of Loaf, but I think it's a, it's an album that should be talked about the same way we talk about anyone else at that time. You know, I, I personally feel that strongly about the music that they're making on that record. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a, you know, nearly, you know, flawless record as far as that time frame and what they do on it. And Craig, I want to thank you again so much for joining us today. Oh, hell and yeah. For, thank you. You know, thank you. So enlightening much. us for, for, you know, this album in particular. Um, oh yeah. So thanks to anybody who tuned in, Matt, do you have anything you want to say? No, just Craig, thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing this album, not just with us. I mean, I know both of us have heard it, but with anyone listening who has maybe not heard of it, who's maybe familiar, you know, say with your music and wants to maybe get like some insight there, even though, you know, initially it might not, I I can see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. That like means a lot. And, like I enjoy nerding nerding out, so like any, <laughs> y'all can probably attest to that now. But uh, thank you for your time, and uh, thank you for letting me uh, uh, share my thoughts and feels on uh, a great record with some really cool people. So thank you for everybody who listened, and thank you for having me again. Thank you so much, Craig. I appreciate it. Next week we will have Amy from Obrea Sky on. Ooh, fun! Right, thanks fun. everyone. Tune in next week. All right. Bye. <laughs> so down lately you've been so low lately nothing seems to work out for you and me
Seems to work.